Hey friends, you guys just listened to me go on a little spiel about Anchor. Well, when you listen to that, it helps us make a little money, a penny at a time. This money is going to be put towards buying microphones for the podcast to help make the sound quality become more enjoyable for you guys. We appreciate everything you guys do for us. We would also like to be clear that the music you hear on this podcast is not ours. We do not own the rights to any of it. Teddy is working on making the official Roughnecks podcast audio, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Our podcast is meant to be comical, informational, interesting, and hopefully sometimes all of the above. If anything we say offends you, just know it's not intentional. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. But before we get into this week's episode, make sure you stop what you're doing. Go follow us on Instagram at Roughnecks Podcast. Share our episode using the hashtag, hashtag Roughnecks Podcast. We are out on many platforms now, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. Go subscribe, rate, and review. Leave an honest review because that we appreciate any feedback we get from you guys. If you ever have a topic idea, a question for Teddy or Cole, or just want to be a special guest, then email us at roughneckspodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram. But now it is time to get into this week's episode. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We're back with episode five of the Roughnecks podcast. Teddy had some things come up tonight and will not make it, but today we have a very special guest. Today we have the head coach of Ohio Wesleyan football team joining us, Coach Tom Watts. Welcome, Coach Watts. Welcome. Uh, thanks, Nick. I mean, obviously, I don't know how special I am, but enjoy seeing you and talking to you, and unfortunately, Teddy couldn't join us. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I love being out here picking at him. Yeah. Uh, I do have to say, though, in a third episode, Schuster did say he was going to make a run at you as a running backs coach in the next few years. I mean, you're going to give Watts a run for his money. Huh? I might. Like, Watts <laughs> better watch out because I'm coming for his job in a couple years. You know, I listened to that and I heard that. So, you know, I obviously I, I got my bullseye on Schuster now. So I got I got my work cut out. And um, it's, it's kind of hard to follow somebody like Tyler Schuster, though, because, you know, he is the man of Sunbury, Ohio. So big walnut. <laughs> Um, but I'll do my best to, to try to follow someone up like that. I think he saved himself a little bit by saying you do a great job of recruiting running backs. So I think he uh, <laughs> maybe he didn't want Don Patrol for uh, for a week. Coach does a great job recruiting other running backs here at Ohio West. Yeah, Schuster needs more Don Patrol. I think so. There's less lot. fast food, that's for sure. Absolutely. I heard he right, so to start, just give us a little background on yourself. Obviously, my name is Tom Watts. I'm head football coach at Ohio Westland. Just finished my, I think I'm on my ninth year, maybe 10th year. I'm not even sure, to be honest with you. Um, but I grew up about an hour and a half north of here, small town outside Medina, Ohio. It's actually called Cloverleaf High School. Uh, Westfield Center is the actual little town. Uh, grew up in a coaching family. My dad was a high school football coach, assistant principal. My mom was a teacher at Mid Park High School. So, you know, I grew up around just high school sports in general and athletics and my grandfather was a coach and my great grandfather was a coach. So, you know, uh, again, that's my background. And now down here at Owu and married to my beautiful wife, Jessica, and we have five kids and get to be around awesome people like yourself. So one of the things as a player for you that you instill into us is the champion's manual. Can you tell us like a little bit about like where that came from and why you use it? Yeah, that's an easy one. Um, you know, obviously coaches like to steal things from other coaches. Uh, I think sometimes that's, you know, it's been proven. And, and that, that champion's manual came from Jim Trestle. 
Um, he called it his winner's manual. And there's a book, he has a book on it. Uh, but, you know, I learned, I learned about the, the winner's manual through a guy named, by the guy named Todd Alice, who coached with us my, our first year here. Um, he's been a big mentor of mine, uh, just a, a great friend and just an awesome human being. But anyways, I've known the Trestle family mo- my, you know, most of my life, uh, along with Coach Alice, kind of just shared really what it's all about. And it's, it's, it's not so much the X's and O's, it's just more of a book on life and, and how to kind of guide yourself down the path. And um, sometimes it's just a good reminder to when you're having a bad day to open it up and there's some positivity in there and put you back in the right path. But, you know, we definitely made it ours and, uh, you know, made our own version of Woos. And long story short, actually, it's Lee Trestle, which Jim Trestle's dad, called it the champion's manual. So this is a generational thing for the Trestles, obviously. And you know, I admire Jim Trestle. I think he's still – he is, he was, and he still could be the – you know, probably one of the greatest coaches in college football. I actually found out, like, uh, we were going through stuff at my grandparents' house one time, and the book, The Winner's Manual, was there. My grandfather had it, and it actually had Jim Trestle's signature on the inside of it. And this, I think I found it after coming here, too. So, like, it was even more meaningful once I found that book. It was actually a really cool thing to see. I haven't read it yet, but it's one of the next books that I'm going to be reading. Should It's a good thing, and that's pretty sweet that, you know, obviously Coach Tress signed the book for your grandfather. It's pretty cool. Oh, he was one of the biggest Ohio State fans I think I've ever met. <laughs> it's, you know, obviously growing up in Ohio, like kids like us, you know, we're always Buckeyes through and through, but it made it even easier when people like Jim Trussell's the head coach there. So. Exactly. So our topic is going off that is leadership is what I wanted to talk about. Um, so like what is in your mind a quality that every leader or qualities that every single leader has? There's lots of qualities. Um, there's lots of different types of leaders. Uh, I think it's more of a lot of times as we go through the captain's interviews and you talk to, you know, college kids about being a leader. Um, a lot of times the first thing you usually hear is, Hey, I want to lead by example. That's the type of leader I am, which that's fine in between the white lines. You know, I, I want obviously our leaders to lead by example when we're playing the game. Um, but really leadership comes, you know, off the field, uh, making some tough decisions, making some, some suggestions or comments that might not necessarily be the most uh, popular opinion, you know, and, and I think there's gotta be some positivity with that. Obviously to someone that, that looks at things, um, you know, half full, not half empty. I think that's a, that's an important part of being a good leader. But just, you know, and honestly, a lot of it comes down to being consistent and being a great communicator and listener. I mean, it's, there's a, so there's a lot of parts to being a great leader. Uh, I think the beauty of what we do is that everybody, a lot of good leaders that I've come across are very different in a lot of ways. Um, but the, same, the thing that they share in common is that they're, it's not about them. It's about making the, next, the person next to them a better person. And when you find those types of guys, those are the types of guys you hope that are out in front of your team and, um, you know, just sharing that, being on the same page and, and sharing the same message. Do you think there's any qualities that like are might be really tough for leaders to develop? And like, you know, that you have those players or you know, like people in general that they're on the verge of being a leader, but sometimes they're missing that little extra bit that they need to be like a real, like a, a better leader than what they already are. So like, do you think there's any qualities that are difficult for leaders to develop? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to my original comment about, you know, kids that say they just want to be that, that leader by example. It's, it's being that vocal leader. And that's the hard part of, of um, some kids just don't feel, you know, comfortable about communicating out in front of a group of people. And, and I don't, I necessarily want to, you know, when I talk to guys that are, that's, you know, some kids bring that up. Like, Hey coach, I'm just not real good about being in front of a group of people. And, and I said, Hey, being a leader doesn't necessarily you need to go up and give a speech to 102 players or whatever. That's not, there's nothing, there's, there's no definition that, of, that doesn't not mean you're a good leader, or a great leader or a bad leader. Well, being a good leader is when you see something that's not right, or you see something that you're, we're trying to do is, is to take other people with you. So just learning them, you know, learning or teaching and helping those guys have a voice, I think is probably one of the hardest things to do. Um, and some kids are, are very natural at it. And some kids struggle with that, to be honest with you. They know what they want to say. They know what they want to do. They know how to do it. It's just, how do I get the other person to do it? You know, and it just comes down to being a good communicator um, and not necessarily always being the guy talking, but being a, being a good listener, you know, listen to people's problems. And, you know, I think when, someone can sit there and just look at you and you're just listening to them and they're sharing their, maybe their issues or their, you know, some things going on in their life. You might not even say a word, but you might, you made, you made them feel better. Um, so there's, you know, again, I'm, I know I'm going in a lot of different directions with it, but I think finding that vocal part of being a good leader is probably the hardest thing for a lot of kids. Say you had somebody like you could take this year, like you had new, you're getting new captains and what would probably be the biggest piece of advice you would give to them? You might've already touched on it with some of the things you've already had mentioned, but if you could give like maybe just one piece of advice, what would it be? One piece of advice. Um, you know, I, I think through all this, this stuff that's been going on with the, the COVID and it's been going on for so long. Um, it's knocked some people out of their normal routine. It's made them feel different. It's made them look at things different. Um, you know, you, we're trying to make sense of a lot of things going on in this world, not just COVID, but um, obviously there's a lot of current affairs that are going on that, um, you know, bring a lot of things to the, the table that you need to talk about. So there's just so many things going on in the, in, in the world right now that uh, the one piece of advice I think that I would give our, you know, our current players that are striving to be a captain is just to find that consistency, knowing that if you're a consistent person and how you approach things, people are going to see that. And people are going to probably gravitate to that right now because they're looking for that consistency. They're looking for that person that they, they know they can always count on. Maybe it's one-on-one -on -one or, or if it is a group. But I think, you know, finding someone that can be consistent, it, it's a hard thing to do right now because, as you know, you know, we can plan for a week of practice and tomorrow we don't have it. Or we can plan for this and, you know, tomorrow doesn't happen. But finding someone that's just a consistent, the way they wake up in the morning, the way they approach the day, the way they're consistent with their, with their behaviors, I think is a, uh, an important part of trying to find good leadership. So you get, during a game, you face a different level of adversity and a lot of different crazy things thrown at you. And even like through the whole COVID thing, we've had a different level of adversity. And I you know, actually, it's probably what you just said, like, how do you want, what do you want to see? We'll go with just the game aspect because the COVID you just kind of touched on. So you're facing adversity in a game. What do you want to see out of your leaders in game time situation? What do you want to see when things start going wrong? Like you turn the ball over with a certain amount, like only two minutes left in the game and your defense is put out on the field with two minutes and you're down by three points. What do you want to see out of your leaders and everybody that everyone that they look up to as the leaders? Well, I mean, when you, when you become a good leader and, and 
you've developed that thing, you understand that there's going to be, you're going to have adversity. Um, and it's more importantly, how you handle that adversity. I think, you know, Bill Belichick talks a lot about, you know, his version of leadership. And I think it's a good point is being able to adjust on the fly, being able to, you know, there's going to be some things thrown at you and you got to be able to adjust and, and, and kind of move quickly through those things without maybe, you know, just caving in or, or giving up or, or whatever it may be. But um, and I think the game of football teaches guys that. And I think that's why the game of football is good for everybody because, you know, there's so many moving parts in the game of football um, and it's very emotional. It's very physical. It's very mental. Uh, it teaches kids as they play the game that later in life, when things come up, um, you know, that, that mentality of sudden change, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you hear coaches talk about all the time, sudden change, sudden change. And uh, when guys that are, are easily able to adapt to sudden change, typically those are the guys that are probably the better leader necessarily because they just, you know, they go with the flow and they, they move on and they, they forget about what just happened two or three minutes ago. As someone you've, I mean, you've brought them in to talk to our team and everything. You've been around a lot of great people and a lot of big leaders and top guys who in your life would you say is the biggest leader or leaders who have made the biggest impact on your life? Um, you know, I, again, I, I'm fortunate. I grew up in a coaching family, so that's, you know, I was, I had a front row seat. I didn't know any different. Um, I grew up on a sideline and, you know, it was, it was a rarity for me to be in the stands for any game. So I grew up with my dad, obviously being a coach and I look back and, and my dad has always been my number one guy as far as just admiring and, and wanting to be like that person. You know, I saw how, you know, he was, he's tough on guys, but he held guys accountable. And in that result, I could see these guys now, you know, always coming back and saying, Hey, you know, your, your dad was, was tough, but he made me a better person because of that. And so, you know, I, I had a front row seat with that, but you know, he had some, he had a lot of good friends and my dad always had a saying, that if you're around good people, you'll probably be a good person. And, you know, I kind of overlooked that when I was young and he'd be, he say it so much. And now I'm here. I am. I'm, 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 you know, repeating it obviously to you, but there's a lot of good people. He put me around, you know, I was fortunate. I, I got to go to some pretty cool games growing up that, you know, Ohio state and Michigan sitting in the end zone and, Unfortunately, when Desmond Howard, you know, did the Heisman pose. But I was a lot of at Ohio State games acting like I was a recruit and I was 11 years old and getting to go on the sidelines and people laughing because they knew I was not a recruit. But my dad was a high school football coach to even go into like a Notre Dame USC game and being in the locker room after Notre Dame beats USC because, you know, because of my connection. My, my grandfather was Lou Holtz's high school football coach. So, again, there's there's just a lot of cool things that I've been able to witness but most importantly, my dad just, you know, instilled in me that this game, the game of football can teach you so much more about how to handle life. And he always wanted to be a, me to be around those types of people. Uh, and, you know, it was, it's, it's obviously, hopefully it's paid off. It's, I try to, you know, pass it on to my five kids right now, a little bit here and there. Final question I got about kind of the leadership topic is, is are there any resources that you would recommend to anyone who is a leader or aspiring to become a leader? This could be like a book, videos, or movies, or anything that you can think of maybe that made an impact on you or would be a good impact on somebody else. Uh, any book you pick up that I think coaches are willing to write, is it going to be a, you know, is it going to be any good material for it for anybody? And I'm not just saying football coaches, there's a lot of obviously. There's a lot of good books on basketball and any sport in general. Um, yeah, there's a good, there's a book for that. I just actually been reading a couple of times, but it's called lead for God's sake. And it's a pretty cool book, easy read. Uh, it's about 
a high school basketball coach who's actually takes direction from the custodian at the, at the high school. So it's a pretty cool book to, to, um, to look up. But I, you know, I think in general, coaches love talking and sharing a lot of times. And I think for anybody just to reach out to any coach, high school, college, um, anybody that has the opportunity to have an impact on people's lives, I think the, the more you can just ask questions. And that's something that, you know, my family and guys that I work for, like, hey, reach out to other coaches, ask questions. Um, and, and they might share the same answer you already know, but at least it's reassuring that, hey, <laughs> all right, well, I'm on the same page. I'm on the right track. Uh, but I think a lot of coaches are willing to share a lot of stuff. You know, I went to a lot of clinics when I was a young coach. I still tried to do it. Uh, you know, when we when this COVID stuff broke out, we did a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, you know, we did one with uh, Tony Alford, and we did one with Mike Urinovich, who's the offense coordinator at Temple. Um, you know, a buddy of ours who's at West Virginia, which looking back before Zoom was big, we couldn't have had that opportunity. So if there's a silver lining in a lot of this chaos right now, there was this technology has allowed us to really connect with a lot of different people. And it's become a, we, our staff, you know, took it as an opportunity to be, you know, as an educational part, you know, just to learn as we, because we couldn't be with you guys. Yeah. So let's, let's dive in. Let's ask questions. Let's find out what other people are doing. And, and usually people in this profession are willing to share that. They like to, you know, they like to talk about that stuff. So you talked to, you think you told, I don't know if it was the whole team or part of the team. You have a Muhammad Ali story that I'd like to get into and hear a little bit about. So I was in college. It was my sophomore year, I believe. Um, and I was fortunate. We actually had, I, I was in a fraternity house at that time. Um, and I stayed in a fraternity, but I was in a fraternity and a bunch of buddies that I played, um, football with one of our buddies uh, girlfriend was given like 15 tickets to go on a cruise because her parents were connected with somehow the Norwegian cruise line so it was a free cruise all right so obviously you know you don't pass that up when you're a college kid when uh, so long story short we're at the Louisville airport ready to fly to Miami Florida to go on this cruise our plane gets delayed so we start walking around and there's there's about 15 of us, um, but we kind of always went in different directions because we were at the airport for a while. And anyways, I'm walking around and, and I look to my right and I see against the wall leaning on a trash can is Muhammad Ali. And I've been a huge fan my whole life. I, you know, I've always enjoyed boxing and wrestling, and all that stuff. Um, so I knew right away it was him, but nobody at the time in the airport, which amazed me, it wasn't that crowded, but no one, I don't think recognized him at the time. His wife was right around the corner and she was, I think she was trying to get the tickets and everything, getting that organized. He was literally leaning up against a trash can, popping um, packaging bubbles and just kind of looking through his eyes and to see if anybody would notice him. And I just froze. I looked at him and I didn't make a big scene. I walked back. I kind of ran back to my buddies at the gate and I said, hey, Muhammad Ali is in the front. And they're like, Watts, get out of here. No way. I was like, I promise you guys, Muhammad Ali is just right over here. So I think there were seven of us walked up there and sure enough, it was Muhammad Ali. And we were the first ones to walk up to him. And we just said, hey, can we, can we take a picture with you? Um, and, and, you know, he, he, at that time, he was obviously able to walk, but, he, you know, the Parkinson's was, was set in. He was, but he was smiling. Um, he was even shadow boxing with us. He was giving my one buddy bunny ears in the picture. Uh, so it was a really cool, you know, opportunity. We took, he took two or three pictures with us. And at that point, we felt bad because all of a sudden people realized, hey, there's Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. So, but bunch of people came running up to him and started talking to him and 
He graciously just said thank you and walked away. Well, about 20 minutes later, we walk into, me and two of my buddies walked into a place to get some food. And we get food, we turn around and there he's sitting there with his wife. And we sat, we didn't bother him. We sat, you know, the table next to him. Um, but we just, you know, sat and ate our food and we were talking. And, and as we were getting ready to leave, I looked at my two friends and I said, hey, you know, I got to say thank you at least. Um, I can't just walk out of here and not say anything to Muhammad Ali. So we got up, put our trays away, came back, and I just walked up to him and I said, Mr. Ali, I, I just want to really, I appreciate you taking time to take a picture with us. And he spoke very softly, but, you know, so I leaned in and he said something and I, I couldn't understand what he said. So I leaned in a little bit closer and he asked me, he goes, can you rumble? And uh, I started laughing and my buddies started laughing and they're like, you know, joking with me, obviously making fun of me and stuff. And um, the last thing, I, and I don't think, I, I don't know if I told you guys this part of the story, but he, uh, he looked at the three of us and he says, you know, kids, you guys are God's angels and I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, and that was it. And we walked away and said, thank you. And and my vacation was was had right there. I didn't need to you know. I, <laughs> yeah, talk we about cruise, a free cruise even better. Exactly. So, I, I mean, it was awesome. And to this day, I have the picture in my office. Um, and it's just a really cool memory because obviously he's the, you know, he's the greatest of all time. That's, that is uh, without a doubt. With that, that's a wrap on our fifth episode of the Roughnecks podcast. Thank you, Coach Watts, for joining us today. Cool. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You guys do a great job, man. It's, this thing's pretty sweet. You guys got this thing rolling. Uh, we're trying to get it there. Well, I'm trying. Teddy doesn't really do much. He just shows up and records, and that's about it. But I will say he's good at asking the questions. So get down here and talks about Texas and yeah, does yeah. his thing. Well, it's it's you know you put me in a hard spot. You made me you know I had a tough deal to follow behind Schuster and Yurik. So that's a, <laughs> that's a that was a rough one. I had a you know, hopefully I brought my A game for you. Oh, you did. I appreciate it. Good luck to you guys. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We appreciate any feedback you guys give us. Share this episode on your social media using the hashtag, hashtag RoughnecksPodcast. Follow us on Instagram at RoughnecksPodcast. Make sure you tune in next week. You're going to want to hear from our special guest who is a former member of the Ohio State football team and played under Urban Meyer. But for now, Roughnecks out.